everyone. It's Zoe, the CEO and founder of Necessary Behavior. Welcome to the first edition of the Sex Ed portion of Lemonade. Hi, I'm London. I'm part of the editorial team. Hi, my name is Bethany. Uh, I'm a multimedia staff member. Today on the podcast, we're talking about everything that went wrong during sex ed, everything that we didn't want to hear and everything that we definitely had to learn later in life. So I can start. I have a great story from when I was a youngin. So my mom was the worst person to ask about anything sexual or reproductive ever. Her favorite answer was like, well, why don't you know? So like one time when I was really little, um, elementary school age, I asked my mom, I was like, mom, how can you pee with a tampon in? So now the appropriate response to a child would be, well, a tampon goes in the vaginal canal while you pee out of your urethra, you know? And she said, well, why would it? Yeah, why would I'm it? like, what's a nine-year-old supposed to do with that information? <laughs> why would it? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> like, I, I just think she didn't know and was too embarrassed to tell me. I'm so glad my mother was totally different. <laughs> I was so lucky and I feel like this definitely like shaped me into the person that I am now and like I don't know help me bring this wild crazy place that I call necessary behavior alive because all of my sex ed like started super super young with my mom um my school years very different very (laughs) different my mother was really good about you know being pro-masturbation pro be with whoever you want to be with pro like don't always sleep with the same gender pro you know pro everything and I think I have yet to meet anyone who was raised under those kind of standards and you know I think it's so important for for kids to have that yeah especially with our age I feel like we still had the parents that were a little bit like sex was still tongue-in-cheek maybe that was just me like my mom grew up Mormon and my dad grew up Catholic and while I wasn't super hardcore raised either of those ways it definitely like led into the parenting it's not that they acted like the question was shameful it was they would either act like I should know the answer already or they would deliberately explain it in a jargon-filled way so I wouldn't know what they were saying of course yeah I kind of had the same experience it was never really explained to me anything I had to learn I kind of had to figure out on my own with the tools of the internet like my parents never told me more than I needed to know The only conversation I've ever had with my parents about anything that has to do with like sex education is I got my period. I was like, ma, I got my period. And she was like, here's some pads. And that's like the extent of my sex education as a child. And like, even when I started wearing tampons, I had to like do that myself with the internet. And when my mom found out, she just totally freaked out. She was like, are you having sex? No, I just want to use tampons because they're easier for me. And I just had to figure it out myself. And I was scared. And I was like 15 texting my friends like, I don't know what to do. Where does it go? Because no one ever taught me anything about it. It was horrible. I know so many girls where they were like, oh, do you have a tampon? My mom won't let me have that. It's a piece of cotton to like absorb blood. Like it is the unsexiest thing ever. It's like buying Band-Aids, okay? Like, I don't understand. No, it's literally the worst. I remember this one time when I was in high school and this dude was like, is wearing a tampon like being fingered? And we were like, what? If it is, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) What? No. (laughs) It's It's so so bad how like uneducated, just like 
everyone is because it's such a stigmatized conversation that everyone's just scared and confused when it's really not necessary. Yeah, it's so like natural and whatever. Like it yeah. should really just be one of the first conversations. I feel like there's so many boys that just don't understand. I remember my father, who's like, you know, a grown man telling me that um, my period was no different than pooping. I still don't understand the comparison. I try and think about how they're similar sometimes and I, I still don't get it. I'm like, no. No, I don't really think so. I mean, like, stigma-wise, it should be. But, like... I mean, right? Like, it should totally be treated <laughs> like that. Like, I made a comment kind of jokingly about, like, my insides falling out. And he was like, why are you complaining? It's, like, no different than pooping. It would like, be so easy if it was. <laughs> right? Like, you could hold it. You could get it out in one go and call it. Like, it could be so easy. But it's not. <laughs> I had a couple friends when I was growing up in high school, in high school, who their parents were so anti-tampon. It was like, and I just, and my mom again, just pro everything was obviously pretty like pro tampon. Like, I think I wore a pad once and I was like, I can't do it. I can feel blood out of my body. Like it's dripping and I don't like it. And um, like my mom was like, yeah, like you're good. Like I'm definitely not gonna go into like the bathroom with you, which I found out parents that will enter the bathroom with their children and like, will put the tampon up inside of them. Like, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I think that's a good experience. It sounds super <laughs> weird, but I know this girl who we talked her through putting in a tampon, right? And she put it in and she was talking about it hurting. It was because she didn't take it out of the applicator. She just shoved the whole thing up there. No, no. So it's, you know, as like disturbing as that sounds, because I'm like, I would not want to be that parent, like putting a tampon in my child. But I think it's better than that. Like, if you really don't know how to explain it, I feel like you should probably just explain it really well. Maybe some yeah. visuals, like get the tampon and show yeah. them how it works. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be like a pretty solid YouTube video out there somewhere with like, they have these really cute, um, like really neat, clear, like, like vaginal models where you can see like you put the tampon up here and then you remove the applicator and then you remove it like later, like whatever. I'm like that is so easy. But I also feel like, you know, it's not like YouTube was really a thing when I was younger. I mean, it was, but it was still like, Charlie bit my finger and like Charlie the unicorn and like everything else. So there was not really like a plethora of educational videos, but. Well, um, American Girl, yes, like the American Girl dolls. I don't know why they yep. are like on top of the sex ed things, but I was flipping through them just to see like what the content was. And the American Girl book actually had like an illustrated image of the girl, like opening her vagina and putting the tampon in. And I was like, oh shit, like these might be of value. And and they're all written in like child-friendly way. Like those are specifically written for those age groups. So there is stuff out there. And they're like, no, 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 I can tell them myself. That's fine. I know everything. I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, how can you be a parent and then just be like, I know what's best for your bleeding body. Most parents assume that they know their children better than their children know themselves. Right. You should encourage your child to trust their body from a very, very, very early age. And like, you don't always know what's best for everyone. Like if you, okay, if you are a parent, I'm not a parent, so take this with a grain of salt. But if you're a parent and you're listening, don't police your children's bodies. Just please don't do it. Like if no one has told you that already, don't fucking do it. 
I'm a parent. Don't police your children in fucking general, honestly. Yeah. Like your child will be good. Like the lack of education is where we really mess up. Things you don't want to happen will happen if you're trying to keep information from them. Because I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine and like, we're still like, we have friends and we're still kind of in this age where our parents are like, you can't do this. You can't do that. Cause I don't want you having sex. I don't want you getting pregnant. I don't want you doing this. And it's kind of like, you can't police your child like that. You can't control them. You, like at the end of the day, if they want to do something, they're going to do it. So just educate them the best that you can. And that's all you can really do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like how I was raised. And like, I don't know, I was a pretty, I turned out pretty well, <laughs> I could say. I mean, I still am only 21, but like, I think I did pretty well. I think my mom did a really solid job raising me. And I think that like, I got all my ducks in a line. And like, it shows when you have really, really strict, tight parents it shows. And I think especially too, like when kids like go off to college and stuff like that too, like the ones who always just like hit it, I feel like most more often than not are kids that had really, really strict parents where like, if you, you know, there's just this point in life where I think like you get to this new stage and you're like, I don't have this person over me and I don't, I can make my own decisions and I don't have to listen to this other person. Like I can finally be myself. And then you just have this like growing up way too quickly and like trying to do everything that you were probably supposed to do for the past, like five, seven, you know, 10 years in <laughs> four, four year span. And it usually ends up like, let's do it all right now. And it's like the first year of just like, what is happening? My grades are failing. I don't know what's going on. I'd <laughs> you haven't taught your children how to handle those situations. Parents like to parent thinking of the best case scenario, but you really need to parent your children thinking of the worst case scenarios. Like, okay, you love to think that your child is going to save themselves until marriage and be with one person ever and blah, 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 heterosexual dreams. But the reality of the situation is like, there's a chance your child could be a slut. I'm sorry. There is. Your child could... No, yeah, he could have a flavor of the week. She could have a flavor of the week. You don't know. And it's just like, they, they like to think that their children will be children forever. Yeah. And they're not. And in a lot of cases, even they worry that they're telling their children things that are too adult for them. And, oh, they'll learn when they're older, which, you know, never happens. The thing is, that's really unsafe, actually. Like, we do our, like, mandated reporter trainings. And one of the big ways that they target kids is because kids don't know how to tell you what's happening. They don't have the vocabulary to discuss like how they've been abused and they, they prey on that because if they have the language to be like, hey, he touched this or he did that or you have the language to speak up. And that's really something that parents don't realize they're leaving their kids vulnerable like that. I um, So one of my first certifications is in sex ed specific from ages like three to eight. One of the best classes that I've ever taken, and it literally was like a full day thing. And I went super last minute, like the day before. And this was back when I worked um, in a sexual assault advocacy agency. And the person I was working with who was um, like doing a lot of prevention at the time, she's like, yeah, like, you know, I have another space in my car. Like, if you want to come with, like, I'm sure the person has no issue. And I was like, yes, I'm coming. Like, that just sounds so amazing. And we learned all about like the importance of teaching people like how to recognize what their bodies are because like it's one of those things too of like especially with child abuse like you have to know the parts of your body because you you can't say what's going on if you're not like taught like if you're not taught that you know and so if you're 
given, you know, 20 names to talk about your vulva, but like none of them are vulva, you know, you could, you could be saying something totally different and someone's going to have no idea. And like parents will fight it so hard to not have sex ed start that young. I mean, even then, like, did you guys ever have the whole, you know, in middle school where you got like split into like boys room, girls room and like girls mm-hmm. room learned about periods and like the boys room. I don't know what they learned about. No, the separation of like genders and like sexual education is so bad. Cause it's like, if you want this heterosexual narrative, why aren't you teaching both genders about the opposite one? Cause there's like, I feel like, especially if you're going to be interacting sexually with that organ, you should know about it. And it just sucks how many people just don't know about the other gender just because it's just so taboo it's like oh you don't you don't need to know that like it's you do you do you do need to know that I'm so young so a lot of lot a lot of boys and men my age do they know nothing and I'm like why would I let you touch me if you don't even know what you're touching literally like my clitoris is not on my ankle try (laughs) it is not a record player my dude it really isn't it's not that hard I and like should be just common knowledge you know if we can talk about our arm and like you know that like this is my finger this is my hand and I have a palm and I have an elbow and I have a shoulder like you should probably be able to like recognize the parts of the reproductive body system like it is another system in your body we all have them like it would be so much easier and I think even just going back to like the conversation on periods like you know I think of men are so scared about periods because if you roll it back to whenever it's like they were split into different classrooms and like they were never taught about periods you know and so then it was just kind of this like hush hush like don't talk about it kind of topic and it never grew past that unless someone you know had a parent or a partner or a sibling that was like hey you need to be a better person <laughs> here's a box of tampons that you can keep in your cabinet for like whoever yeah oh, but I think that was a great point like in such a heteronormative society you think they really would be teaching boys about girls that should be like the new argument I'm gonna start telling Republicans that I'm gonna be like oh no they need to stop separating them for sex ed because that's what makes them gay you teach all the boys about (laughs) that's why they're all gay now right I'm pretty sure that like non-heterosexual sex like actual like like physical sex has the highest rates of orgasms and like you just can't match that with heterosexual anything like unmatched and I'm like dang like once you know about the body system it's pretty easy from there yeah so so I'm bisexual so I've been with girls before and it's like there's no learning curve there's no there's no what's this part do what's this part do? you're like I get in here and I know everything you're like it's like getting into your own car versus getting into someone else's you're like oh I know exactly how this baby drives like I got it <laughs> absolutely the rate of which like same-sex couples get way more sexual pleasure I watched a documentary on it and like it's so much higher it's so much higher it's ridiculous and then people want to sit around and tell us to be heterosexual like boys step up your game because they're the ones that have the most problem with it so you guys need to step up your game (laughs) I I think so much of it comes from the fact that women are socialized like not to ask it's easy to blame straight dudes for it like dude figure your shit out you're grown and they should to an extent absolutely 
But if the guy's actually, like, open to learning, I feel like that's okay. I think there is a big problem with women being afraid to say what they want, though, too. Um, which is which is part of the whole patriarchal bullshit thing that we teach girls that they can't be sexual. We tell boys from day one, oh, yeah, you're going to be chasing skirts, like, using women, like, left and right, you know? And then girls, it's like, okay, keep a pill between your knees, you know? So by the time they, like, get old, they can't really shake off these feelings like I I have a bunch of friends that like saved themselves till marriage and like that's super cool like if that's what you plan on doing but in their cases there were some very religious ties for some of them I mean some of them it was like you can tell the difference you know what I mean I always wonder like you never lived with that person and you're marrying them like you're marrying someone you've never like slept in the same not even like had sex like you've never slept in the same bed with them like I think there's like saving yourself for someone. And I think that's like, there's a good honorable thing to that. Like if that's something that you truly believe in, like rock on, do your thing. But it's just like, I'm like, how do you even know how to be a wife? Like you've never lived with them. Like you don't know how to really be their partner. It like sets you up for failure almost because then you're not able to like, okay, well actually this isn't working. And like, you could literally decide that on like two days and you're just like, oh, I don't know about this one. Like, yeah, like it's just, you know, I think it's really good to like kind of experiment and like try it out because like if you can't stand them for like I don't know like more than 24 hours you should maybe not be marrying them (laughs) there are more serious things that do cause divorce that you don't know until you live with someone like how do they feel about division of labor how do they feel about using each other's finances how do they feel about kids like and there's conversations you can have but you don't really know until you're in those situations with people yeah yeah well and how much of it is just like I'm telling you this so that you'll still get married to me because we're all, I mean we're already this far you know why can't we just hurry up and There's of course so nobody's gonna be like yeah I'm lazy and don't do any of the chores yeah I'm gonna be super strict and not let you spend any of my money like some dudes will probably be straight up about it but for the most part they're gonna lie to you I can't think of anyone who would straight up be like no nah, I'm a mess unless it's like someone that I'm like platonically like acquainted with yeah. <laughs> So. There's like a whole thing of like, you never really know someone until you live with them. So like, I couldn't imagine just marrying some, unless we're going to be married and not living together, then fine. But yes, <laughs> but like, if you want to like have a like good relationship married and everything, you, I don't understand how you could not live together in any capacity for a set period of time and actually like live in adult life. Cause that's how you're going to see how do you guys handle finances? How do you guys carry like, just little things even around the house how do you guys interact like there's a lot I feel like it kind of sets up the unhealthy dynamic like heterosexual dynamic between certain couples because you're Mm -hmm. sending kids from living with their parents to living with a spouse so like you took this boy whose mom probably took care of him all his life and then put him with this girl and he's gonna assume okay so she's gonna take care of me all my life and for the most part she's been told that that's what her job as a wife is so she's gonna buy into it and it just really plays into like that harmful narrative of your wife being your new mom when I found out I was having a girl uh the first thing somebody told me was that I was lucky because she had this quote and it was your son is your son until he finds a wife but your daughter's your daughter for all of her life And I was like, wait, so you're raising your sons to replace you with their wives? Like, that is so messed up. Like, you're just raising your sons to specifically be a shitty husband. Oh, God. 
I, my first year of college, I had this kid that was like, he was, he was loaded. Like this kid was showing me photos of like his family taking family photos on their like customized like golf cart. And like that kind of rich and he's like no I like I've never learned how to make my bed like someone always did it for me like I've never like how do you do laundry and I'm like dude like it is not hard to do laundry you put your clothes into the washer and you click on like I cannot make it any more simple for you totally clueless like had no idea but then also was like the same person that put like vodka in a Brita filter and then was like it's gonna make it super expensive vodka now and like I think I don't know I think he ended up like puking in his Brita filter at some point too I don't know if that was like an experiment I don't know I mean the moral of the story is this kid was a dumbass but like there were other things that played into that. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think there's also like such an era of just like privilege that comes with like not being able to do just like simple tasks that everyone should know how to do well before you move out. And it's like not saying that you have to go and like make your kids do all of like everything, you know, when they are like six, you know, <laughs> but like. But teach your kids some goddamn life skills. Teach them how to exist in the world and not be shitty seems so easy because it starts with parents and trickles down like parents are like the foundation where you're either going to get your first good or bad sex ed sadly this kid that I was friends with in high school her dad was my doctor and he was like you know just like a normal PCP so like primary care provider and I didn't see him all that often because like I'm never really sick and like I don't know pretty healthy kids so like I'd see him once a year for like my yearly checkup whatever um super nice guy I never had any qualms with him but I became friends with his daughter and his daughter was like one of the sweetest people on earth and my mother my friend and I um, were like sitting outside and we have like a little like pop-up pool or whatever. And it was summertime. So we're all sitting out there chilling, just talking, whatever. And somehow everyone over, like always comes over to my house for like sex ed talks, masturbation talks. Like we just get into it. And this person who is the daughter of my doctor was like, yeah, honestly, like, no, my dad's never taught me about anything like with sex ed. Like even like he prescribed my birth control, but like he could never fathom it being like for sex. Like he knows it's for my periods, but like, that's it. And I just remember like my mom and I looking at each other and thinking, this is a doctor. This is a child of a doctor. But yeah, I just, it's wild. And like, even just from like a medical perspective too, the amount of doctors and like practitioners or just anyone who is, you know, experienced or like been in the medical field, like the lack of education within is, is outstanding. Even in the medical field, like, why are you talking about it? The, and you know, I could talk for hours just about like the whole entire medical system is and like, even just how we got to the place we are today, like it was all through violence. Like there is no part of the medical field that was not created the way that it was. Like if you ever want to learn more about that, um, you can look up the mothers of the gynecology. It's a really awful, graphic, disgusting, make you want to like take a hot shower, scrub all your skin off story. But I am very thankful for those women who gave their literal lives so that we could have the things like the Sims position and like the speculum and like just basic surgery practices because people literally died because of that. Like, or if they didn't die, they were very, very, very greatly harmed. And like, I just, every day I think about them. 
So it really kind of makes you sick, like, when you think about, like, how much women have gone through just to have the rights to the information about their bodies. Not even the rights to their own bodies. Like, shit, we're still fighting that. But, like, just even being allowed to know about our own bodies was, like, such a fight. Like, it was illegal at one time. Like, the Comstock law literally was, like, you may not learn. I mean, it was also, like, you may not look at, like, pornographic material. I don't know. I, I've taken a lot of classes in, like, the history of reproduction and, like, history of just reproductive rights and, like, just women's health and, like, uterine health in general. And, like, whoa. <laughs> you know? Like, and it's one of those things that, like, I'll probably never stop learning because it's so interesting to me. Like, right now I'm actually reading um, a book called Transition Denied by Jane Fay, um, which is talks a lot about like trans healthcare and how much that matters and like how much just we totally deny trans folks just basic ass healthcare for no reason other than like we hate trans people we didn't even talk about how being transgender played into like sex education did anyone ever have the word transgender even mentioned in any of their i had it brought up once but the interesting thing is it was in an anthropology class and not in any type of health class and it was like a short article about it and that and that was on people who were intersex but like nothing other than that i think that was interesting in itself but yeah i, I mean my high school was like we had a class of 500 and there was a few people who came out as trans within my school years and like even more so after we all graduated and like even with that like the school never took care to even think about bringing up some sort of anything like we never even had like a talk about like pronouns and like what pronouns people use and like why we should be respecting mm-hmm. these. And like, there was always like that awkward like first day where like you couldn't really correct your name. Um, so then you had to be like, hey, you just dead named me and here's my real name. Like, I don't know, that was just wild to me too. And then you'd have, you know, those snoopy ass like substitute teachers that are like, but you don't look like a Anna or you don't look like a Thomas or whatever. And it's like, because you're not like, it's that simple. Like it literally, it's not hard to understand. I don't know. I just, yeah, that's another thing that just gets me hated. Oh, and we don't, we don't talk about how a lot of disabilities affect your sex life either. Like um, mental health affecting your sex life, like depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, or like physical disabilities as well. Like how does someone being in a wheelchair affect how we have sex? If they can't feel from the waist down, is that still going to work for me? Like, what? like, you know, like there's questions to be had there. It's like these people exist. Yeah. Also just that like inherent, like we think of people with disabilities as just like non-sexual. That's true too. <laughs> like they will never have sex and like no one desires them and they're not sexy. And it's just like, when did we decide that? <laughs> you know, like when- Well, that's we- some eugenics bullshit. No, yeah. And then one of the worst things about like not being educated in those types of fields is the people who do have disabilities or people who are transgender, they are the ones who have to then deal with those questions. And it's usually from ignorant ass people who are like, what's going on with your body? And it's like, they shouldn't have to answer that. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not their responsibility. Honestly, we should be learning about that anyway, but even still, it's not on them. It's not a personal wheelchair's job for you to go questioning. Do you have, like, no, it's none of your business. Would you walk up to any other person? Be like, how do you have sex? Or like the question that they always ask transgender people, like, so do you still have a vagina or a penis? And I'm like, I'm sorry, do you walk, are you circumcised? How how big are you? Like, I'm gonna start asking them, like asking questions back guys. Like that's, you just walk up to random people and go, hey, like what's your vagina look like? Like what's you rocking down there? 
It just makes me so mad. I feel like people are weirdos for the like asking that. Like you're the weirdo for asking that, for wanting to know what somebody else has going on. Like you, why do you want to know? Why are you so pissed? Like the transgender people in the bathroom argument where it was like, oh, well, I don't want to see a penis when I'm in the ladies' restroom. I'm sorry. We have stalls in the ladies' restroom. Why are you looking at a girl's penis anyway? Like, why are you looking in her goddamn stall to begin with? Like, I'm sorry. The one that sounds creepy is you snooping up on what people got in their pants. Like the person that's just trying to go pee is not the problem here right that's an argument that has never made sense to me like in any context of like you're you're gonna argue where people pee okay what about your own home bathroom do you have a ladies restroom and a men's restroom in your own damn home because i really don't think you do (laughs) and then they'll talk up and down like oh it's to protect them protect the women from sexual assault and then it's like hey can we do something about sexual assault by like police officers or on college campuses or like at all and they're like no so actually that segues me into a topic i wanted to mention which is the daddy stitch have you guys heard of the daddy stitch So the daddy stitch is a concept where after a mother gives birth, for the father, the doctor will put an extra stitch in when he's sewing her back up. Yes, yes. Mind you, your vagina was never like that to begin with. And they're not sewing parts that should be together. So most of the time when you have sex with your husband again someday, it's excruciating and most of the time it tears. And you also open up for like, like a higher chance for infection you have a higher chance for complications you have a higher chance to like rip it accidentally because it's not supposed to be there in the first place yeah and it's just like the worst thing doctors decided like yes I will like make this decision for this woman's body for the man in her life it's also called the the husband stitch I believe too because I've always heard it as a husband stitch but I know exactly what you're talking about Mm -hmm. yeah it's Yeah, one of those cool things that, like, no one ever tells you about childbirth and just, like, birthing in general and, like, the sexism that plays into it. And, like, keep in mind, this is something that is often, like, just, you never ask the person who's giving birth if they want that extra stitch. It's always just something that's, like, you can be, like, hey, do you want this? It's literally how that happens. It's, like, they're having conversations between your legs. Like, and that's just, like, the most disgusting thing ever. And I imagine it's worse again for black women because let's talk about fucking racism in the medical field. But I don't know. I was super lucky that I, one, had a doctor that didn't offer one, but two, I feel like if somebody offered my husband one, he would have like flipped out. And I swear to God, if somebody was like, hey, do you want a daddy stitch? He would have like raged in the middle of the hospital. So it was probably (laughs) for the best that they didn't. I mean, I haven't been in that situation, but I feel like it would almost feel like an assault. Like, Like you're trusting these people to take care of you while you're in this vulnerable position for them to just do something like that to you just for entirely sexual purposes. I mean, in all like intents and purposes, it is, I would consider it a form of sexual violence. You know, the medical field will never, ever, ever recognize it as a form of sexual violence. You know, you'll never have them ever admit that it was ever a bad thing. And it's just like, they keep so much away from pregnant women as it is. It's so funny that like like London said, in such a heteronormative society, they're they're so anti talking about pregnancy. I'm like, your ideal little nuclear family is like mommy, daddy, two kids, you know? Well, that means she's gonna have to have a baby at some point. Like you talk to people about actual aspects of pregnancy, like you talk about your placenta or mucus plugs 
or like what the water breaking actually feels like or the fact that you like bleed for like six weeks nonstop afterward or just like a million other things they just don't talk about there's an instagram account that i follow who like does a really really good job just talking about like post-birth experiences and like whole like the whole like ice packs in your underwear because you're literally so much in like you're in so much pain that you just gotta like straight up put an ice pack in your panties and I hate the word panties but I'm using it in this context but like that's a thing and like people have to teach you how to like properly like freeze like an an ice pad so that you can like wear it and it won't like freeze off your vulva you know what I mean and like that's Mm -hmm. just there's so many things that people just don't talk about like I know my cousin who she was very very young when she gave birth being really really young and being unmarried I think opens up just a whole other slew of just like complications and issues and like just things that are not being discussed properly and like a whole other sense of like othering because then you know you're admitted and you're like under 18 and they're like you're gonna be an awful parent and it's like but you're probably not going to be like, you know, like MTV definitely ruined us on that part. This is just the best form of birth control I've ever had. <laughs> this conversations that need to be happening in like high school because this, this is it. We need like someone coming in and being like, hey, by the way, this can happen after you give birth because. Oh, it does every time. It's not can happen. Um, also, uh, you pee your pants for the rest of your life after you have a baby, whether you have a C-section or not. That has nothing to do with the baby exiting the vaginal canal. That has to do with at nine months, the baby's putting pressure on the bottom of your, like all of that. And so your urethra stretches. So many people say the healing process is worse than actually giving birth. Yeah. She ripped so badly that she had to take like, I think like Epsom baths like three to four times a day for like a couple weeks. And she's like, dude, I don't know what's happening. I'm literally like bleeding clots the size of like cough balls. And I don't know what to do. And like, this is just normal. And my doctor told me it's normal. And like, it's, it's wild. So at the hospital, they gave me a little baggie of like these super pads. Right. And I tried to ask for more when I left and they were like, no, you don't need any more. After a day of bleeding, after a day, they decided I didn't need any more. So Okay, so you guys are going to hear the real crude, like, DIY version of this. So you can't use regular pads because they're just not big enough. So I had to go to the store and buy, like, you know, like, those puppy training pads? (laughs) Yep. Dead ass. Actually, the ones they give you at the hospital aren't that much different, surprisingly. It's like they hand you, like, a giant puppy training pad anyway, which is how I got the idea. Um, And I literally bought puppy training pads to put in, like, underwear to try and catch all of that and they've just now started creating like pad ice packs like you just now when I was pregnant and that wasn't that long ago like I said my kids only she's gonna be four in a couple months like so not even that long ago and I'm just now seeing stuff you can find like the packs now for mommies they have like the boxes where it's like nipple care and vaginal care but back in the day nobody gave a shit and whenever people are like oh what should I get so-and-so for their baby shower I'm like don't get a goddamn thing for that baby because everyone else is you buy her giant ass monster pads you buy her like all the things that she's gonna need because she's gonna pop out that baby and everyone's gonna be like oh let's take care of the baby the baby but really mom's over here like she just went through a huge major body change that her body's never really gonna come back from and they just like kind of leave her to suffer yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and they expect her to suffer in silence and if she does say anything then she's a bad mom it takes a village but the village doesn't want to (laughs) help yeah it takes a village but the village is the mom 
Yeah. I have never understood it too. And like, you know, I have so much respect for single parents who literally have to do that all alone. And like, you're just, you're just doing it. And like, you don't get a break, you know? And like, I don't know, my mom was a single mom and like, she had the help of like my grandparents and you know, her, her grandparents, my great grandparents, but like, I can't imagine how she did it. And like, you know, she was back to work in the normal amount of time, but like, I'm like, I could not be me, could not be me. But also I think one of the reasons that, and I can't remember if this is confirmed or not by her doctor, because she got her epidural so late, it gave her hemorrhoids for the rest of her life. I'm so sorry that I'm saying that like out loud about my mother. My poor <laughs> Sorry, mom. everyone about that. So I don't feel like as bad. You know what? I could totally see the logic behind that though, because you get hemorrhoids from like deep pressure down there. And so if you can't feel it with the epidural, you're probably just giving it all you got and hoping for the best. And she was like, I, I was just pushing. I don't know what I was pushing, but I was just... I just took my best guess on whatever muscle I could flex at that point. Like, yeah. Oh, speaking of pushing, everybody likes to talk about the pooping on the table thing. Not as common as people like to act like it is. Totally not as big of a deal as they like to act like it is. Most of the time when mom poops on the table, they have it cleaned up so fast you didn't notice because they're trying to keep it like a clean, sterile environment. Like it's a hospital. That was something that people always mentioned. They were like obsessed with that. Oh, are you scared you're going to poop on the table? I mean, I'm pushing a baby out of my freaking vagina. I feel like I'm going to have better concerns than whether or not I poop on the goddamn table, yeah? <laughs> one of the things that always weirded me out too, I shouldn't say weirded me out, but one of those like, this is great birth control things was like, after you give birth to your baby, you have to deliver the placenta. Like you're just not done pushing. You don't even feel it. Really? That's good. So so the placenta is like made of jello. So it's how the baby like- like elementary explanation it's like how the baby gets like the blood and the nutrients and shit out of your body so it's mostly liquid some people will straight up like they put it in a bag and dry the whole thing out instead of just drying the umbilical cord out and falling off especially for premature babies there are benefits for leaving the placenta attached for a while because there's so much blood in there and premature babies are so light as it is you want all the blood to flow back into the baby right right and so it's like a it's like a health like a not like a dry the placenta and eat it type thing. It's like they put it in the salt and they throw it away like they do the umbilical cord, but they put it in like salt water to dry it out. So it's more of a a natural detachment for the baby. Uh, right. But personally, I just had my husband cut the cord old fashioned way. Yeah. No, I've always had it in my mind is like, like that thing doesn't move, you know, at least like a baby, you have like someone who's there, like ready to kind of like help it out. But like, oh, no. No, that, no. What happened? <laughs> so the moving is worse, actually. So the strangest sensation of my entire life. So most of the time, babies don't take their big breath until like they're all the way out. No, she was up and moving while she was still halfway in me. No. Yeah. So she was still, so like her legs were still inside me and she starts moving and grabbing. And, like, and I was like, oh my God, what is going on? Like that was the strangest thing. So no, the, they don't help you. Most of the time they're either sleeping or they're like, what the fuck's going on? Like, this is a whole new world to them. So you have to remember your, your cervix is already stretched out from the baby passing through anyway. Right. And the placenta super soft and super mushy. I mean, I technically had to do a little push. Um, although for me, I'll admit the pushing wasn't the worst part at all. Like uh, I was super lucky though. So despite the fact that I had like a super long, labor I pushed the baby out in like 15 minutes of actual pushing um and yeah 
hurt, but the contractions hurt more. It's like yeah. the contractions hurt inside. So I could so much to the point where I could barely feel like the baby going out anyway. They, they, at the same time, they act like it's super horrible and awful, but also like you're supposed to get over it. And it's like, it's the parts that everyone acted like were the worst parts weren't. Um, and obviously everybody's super different. Like some people push for, push for days, you know, um, it's definitely different. It's a very different experience. Like, and it's like a whole body experience. Like everything's in on it. Uh, I don't even know if I could describe it. I don't even have good words. Like, yeah. Um, the biological thing does kick in and you don't really remember it that well. You're, you do kind of forget like how bad it was especially once they hand it to you and all your little hormones start going off it's like we got you boo like well you don't need to remember shit (laughs) see that's what would scare me because there's so many people that I know that like have their first kid and they were like that was the worst experience ever then they like like look at that baby I want to do it again and it's like I could tell you how I felt at the time like my emotional responses to being pain I could not tell you like the pain yeah so your body was not like focused on memorizing any they were just like okay let's get out of here that's probably a great reason why that probably is exactly the reason why because it's like there's only so much your brain can hold on to you know similar to like a trauma response if something hurts too much like your brain isn't gonna be like yeah buddy let's keep this in here forever like mm-hmm. let's remember this pain like it's gonna be like actually no we want happiness <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The the part I remember most vividly actually is um they take you to the bathroom to make sure you can still go pee afterward. Wonderful. And when they're in there, the little nurse always asks and sees if you're abused. Um <laughs> well it's actually a brilliant idea no, because it daddy is. It, is. it daddy's not gonna go in there with you to make sure you can pee. Yeah. And so they're like, Okay, like is everything okay at home? They don't ask it like, Are you being abused? They're like, So do you feel like you got a lot of support at home? like do you think your husband's supportive now my husband just like held me while I was doing this so I'm like yeah he's fine we're good um and then I remember getting put in the wheelchair and I was so glad when they finally put me in the wheelchair because suddenly it was like the most tired you've ever been in your entire life and then they handed me the baby I was like I'm not sure I'm not going to drop her it was like being cross-faded as hell but I was completely sober and I'm just like sitting there like this like in the wheelchair like whoa gonna pass out but that's the second thing that kicks in the first thing that kicks in after having a baby is you want to eat everything in sight like to the point where the doctors they bring you like little lunch baggies after you give birth like in if it's between meals because like you just like imagine like the most difficult marathon you ever like ran in your life you're just like you want to eat everything and then after you've ate everything, you're like, I need to sleep right now. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. I think that is all the time that we have right now, but we will always be back with more from weed to sex, incarceration to just general stuff that we want to talk about. So there's always more. You can follow us on Instagram at Necessary Behavior on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your social media content. Um, And our website is www.necessarybehavior.com. We'd love to see you over there and we hope that you have a wonderful day.